Welcome to another edition of Making Money, show about financial literacy with the financial coach, Ron Hebert, retired portfolio manager. I'm Gord Whitehead, a retired broadcaster. Ron, we want to talk about steel. And as I sit here in this little studio, I look at, you know, steel microphone holders. I've got a little steel recorder. My phone's sitting over there. There's a steel case on it. <laughs> you know, it's everywhere, right? <laughs> well, steel is fundamental to our way of life in modern society would totally grind to a halt without it. I mean, you look at demand. Building an infrastructure used 50%, 2% of the world's steel that's produced. Mechanical equipment, bulldozers, tractors, uh, rail cars, locomotives, 16%. Automotive, 12%. Metal products, 10%. Other transport, 5%. Electrical equipment, 3%. Domestic appliances, 2%. So the demand is, you know, ubiquitous. It's right across the board. We really need this product in order to have the modern lifestyle that we have. So where we are right now with inflation jumping up, uh, a lot of talk about recession. I think we're in one. I, I think you agree with that. Some people say, oh, no, we're not. We're fine. But that, is this a good time to be looking at steel? Well, investors have dumped steel stocks on recession fears. And, of course, there's a huge debate, and most of the debate is from politicians who say we're not in a recession. But in the U.S., they've had two consecutive quarters of negative GDP, and the rule of thumb definition that we've used for years and years is that if you've had two negative quarters, you're in a recession. I suspect they're, going to, they're a little behind reporting in Europe, but I don't think they're uh, far behind at all. And by the time this show comes out, they'll probably be in a recession if they're not already. And, you know, Canada follows the U.S. If they, they have problems, so do we. So, you know, the idea that we're not going to into recession is only something that's been dreamed up, I think, by politicians. Because it's hard to get reelected if the country's going into a recession, because usually the government gets blamed for that. So if there is a recession... This sector is already sold off, and it often reflects the value that people see in these companies if a recession is to occur. So if a recession is going to happen, which I think we're already in one, we're starting to see this reflected in share prices because these are cyclical stocks. When the economy is going good, they do well. When the economy slows down, they weaken. So... In a nutshell, that's how it relates to uh, the economy. Well, you make a note here that hot rolled coil steel went from $1,500 earlier this year to $900 a ton. So, you know, prices, usually people follow the prices. They see prices starting to go south. They also realize that, hey, the margins at $900 aren't nearly as good as $1,500, and your overhead is the same or rising. This means less profits. Less profits means that uh, companies are going to earn less. If they earn less, well, that's going to reflect in the, the share price. So this is another one of the investment negatives that is flowing through and affects investor sentiment on the entire industry. So those are the negatives. Let's look at the positives. And, and you and I were chatting before we started the show. Uh, U.S. government, uh, some of the European governments have, have all announced infrastructure plans, Right. They want to start rebuilding roads and bridges and I, I, who knows what. And you need steel for that. Well, 52% of steel goes for construction. And, of course, um, 
like you like you were saying, Gord, governments across globally to make sure they're competitive. To have a competitive economy, you have to, to compete with other countries. You have to have an infrastructure that works, roads without potholes. You have to have ports that work. You have to have telecommunications that work. You have to have literally rail lines that work so that all our logistics stuff gets from one place to the other. And that all requires steel. And so uh, there's a number of sectors, including the auto sector, which, uh, as we were talking pre-show, uh, the auto industry in the U.S. accounts for 25% of U.S. steel demand is operating at below pack capacity because of uh, shortages of chips. And there's huge demand right now because automobiles in the U.S. are getting 13 years old. They're not, I think they're about the same in Canada, the average age. So as these vehicles have to be replaced, demand for steel is going to be fairly strong. So, you know, you look at uh, the auto manufacturers, energy and, and global infrastructure, and these sectors are all in good shape. Are we caught between a rock and a hard place? I mean, to make steel, you have to use something to melt the iron ore. So you're either using coal or you're using natural gas or I don't know what else. I mean, that's, that's a sector that's, you know, so much under the microscope. You can't have one without the other, can you? Well, there again, that's one reason that uh, you see low prices, the fact that their costs are going up, you know, coal costs, oil costs, energy costs, fossil fuel costs have been rising dramatically. And that all goes into the, the, the costs of producing it. And when your, your inputs go up, usually your profits shrink as well. Uh, but one positive that is sort of uh, contradictory to that is just we've seen a lot of industry consolidation. So there used to be an awful lot of competitors in this space. And so it was very difficult for them, Gord, to raise prices. But now in the United States, for example, there's only four major players and the rest have been bought out or gone bankrupt or closed. And these four producers now produce over 80 percent of a U.S. steel output. So fewer players lead to less competition and allow them to pass their prices on to the consumer easier. And of course, you know, there's a couple other catalysts like war. You look at the Ukrainian war and all the all the machinery that's been blowing up or laying there in place, rusting out in the field. Armaments use a lot of steel demand. And of course, China will stimulate its economy to grow. So there's there's some very positive reasons why um, over the long term, uh, steel looks like a pretty good place to be, but it requires patience. If you're going to buy it and we go into a cycle for a year or two where demand is low, if you're buying it when it's cheap, you really have to be patient. And if you don't have the patience, if your idea of an investment time or horizon is three hours between breakfast and lunch, you do not want to own these kind of stocks because to make money on it, you have to wait and be willing for the cycle to turn. And that takes time. Okay, so let's take a look at the major North American <laughs> players. As you say, there are really only four of them, right? There's four U.S. players and there's one Canadian player. And you can break them down into two groups. There's the big integrated steel producers. There's Cleveland Cliffs. Uh, their symbol is CLF. They're trading at three times earnings. There's literally U.S. Steel, which is another big integrated steel company. 
the symbol is X, whereas Cleveland Cliffs, the symbol is CLF. They're trading at 1.3 times earnings. Then you have two companies that literally um, their big market sector that they go after within the steel industry is, is uh, scrap. So Nucor, which is the industry leader, is trading at four times earnings, has a yield of one and a half percent. And Steel Dynamics, which has mini mills, which uses scrap steel, uh, there are three times earnings and 1.7%. And Steel Dynamics is STLD. So here is sort of an overview of the U.S., the, the two big integrated, the two big, uh, two companies that use mini mills and scrap. And then there's the Canadian um, player, which is public, and that's Stelco. STLC, and they have a very lucrative single blast furnace in Ontario, actually in Hamilton. And uh, they're very investor-oriented. They have boosted their dividends several times. They've been buying back stock. Uh, the shares are trading at 1.5 times earnings and have a yield of 3.3%. So this industry is pretty cheap right now. And you need to start looking at it and watching it because recessions don't end right away. Often recessions can be as short as three months, but often the average is, is a year. And if this recession lasts a year or a year and a half, and this one some economists are saying could even be longer because we've got structural issues which need to be sorted out. So if it does go longer, then you need to be patient, patiently watching and seeing where things bottom out and then patiently buying uh, a choice that you've made and waiting for the price to go up. So steel, integral part of our lives, not going anywhere. Good time to be looking at it, but do your homework, right, Ron? Like you say, sit down and do some analysis on this. Yeah, and what you want to do is with these, uh, we've been covering a lot of cyclical sectors lately because we're going into a part of the cycle where these kind of stocks you can buy at incredible bargains, and they can have very big moves, which can be highly profitable for the investor willing to spend time and researching them, following them. And we're early in the cycle, so you've got a number of choices here. We've talked about the industry. If you want to know more, uh, start watching some of these stocks, watching what they're doing, and then figuring out what size of position you want, waiting for the right moment. Then when you get the, the drop that provides uh, a good historical value, then climb into these things. So uh, there's some very profitable opportunities, and this is the kind of sector that you want to trade, not buy and hold. And if you're willing to do so, it can be highly lucrative. Look at steel. And uh, if you have a question about this show or maybe something you feel we missed or if you have a suggestion for an upcoming show, remember you can always reach us through our website, letsmakemoney.ca. And uh, also you can reach us at cfcw.com where our show is hosted on their portal and we'll get to you. Uh, back again next week with the Financial Coach. We're going to talk about the recovery trade. Can you give us a brief synopsis of what that is? Well, the recovery trade gourd is a strategy based on investing in those sectors that took a financial beating during the COVID-19 lockdown but are expected to make a significant recovery because uh, the pandemic is now getting behind us and people are going back to normalizing their lives, getting out more, doing more things. 
And because of that, there's sectors that could do very, very well in what's called this recovery trade. And we're going to be talking about the do's and the don'ts and the areas that will recover, the areas that might be a little longer in recovery, and the areas that might not uh, recover at all. So if you're going to play the recovery trade, you've got to be very selective in how you do it. And next week, we're going to help you uh, figure out a strategy that will help you do just that. So join us next week. The financial coach, Ron Hebert, will be back with that advice. I'm Gord Whitehead. We'll talk to you next time. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.